Becoming you beyond deconstruction. Because deconstruction isn't the end goal. Living a vibrant, soul-aligned life is. Welcome back to Becoming You Beyond Deconstruction. This is the first new episode after the release of the Becoming series and I think it's fitting because it's a brand new year. I personally can't believe we're already at the end of January. If your month has been anything like mine, then that's all I can say. But before I dive into today's episode and share just a little bit more about it, I just want to talk about what the podcast is going to look like from now on. In essence, each month there'll be two episodes, a solo, more reflective episode like this one, and a guest interview episode. So anyway, back to today. I posted recently over on my Substack newsletter, Unfolding, and I spoke about how immense this month has been for me and how it's felt like I've already lived months of 2023 rather than just mere weeks. I've found myself asking tough, philosophical, existential questions like, why am I here? Why are we here? What does it mean to be human? And what does this mean anyway in relation to my journey of living from soul and returning back to my sacred self? Because living from soul is my theme for the year. There's something that's been on my mind for a while now and that's what I really want to talk about in today's episode. It's a preoccupation that we as humans have of constantly looking outside of us. We tend to look outside of us for answers, but we also tend to look outside of us when it comes to allocating responsibility and blame. Take the deconstruction space, for example. Deconstruction is often about how awful religion and Christianity is, how toxic it is, how we can't believe anything from the Bible or how awful the Christian God is, how religion is being used to manipulate and control and how Christian leaders should know better and don't and that the whole thing is just plain wrong. I understand this. I recently received a crash course on American politics and how religion plays into that stuff that I didn't know and I couldn't really know because A, politics isn't my strong point and B, I'm not American. And with this awareness, I could totally understand where this preoccupation with how bad everything is out there outside of us is and why so many people, especially in the US, are running away in the opposite direction. But I think one of the things that I personally think and feel, possibly because of my psychological background and possibly because of my own discovery in my journey that I needed to stop looking outside of myself when it came to my own healing, is that there is often not enough attention placed on who we are being and who we have been in all of this or the whys of how we got here. An overfocus on what is, what is out there means that we are not seeing what is in here. And I am touching my chest as I'm saying this. 
And I know that not everyone is willing or ready to look in the mirror. But because I and this podcast isn't about just amplifying the deconstruction echo chamber about everything that is bad and everything that is wrong about Christianity and about religion, but instead about allowing healing through becoming the fullest sense of who we are, I wouldn't be being true to myself, true to my passions, my goals, my vision, if I didn't explore some of the themes that come up for me on this journey. When the problem is religion or Christianity or the God of the Bible or even other Christians and politicians, it's easy or easier to see yourself as free from responsibility and that actually there is nothing or hardly anything at all that you have contributed to the current situation. And just hearing myself say that actually it seems a little bit black and white because I know that there are so many people who wrestle with shame and guilt over their actions and their inactions whilst they have been churched. And I'm not saying that we need to hold on to shame, guilt or self-blame either. That doesn't help anybody. What I am saying is that when we flip to the other side, that being anger, when the anger kicks in, it's so easy to begin to see yourself as separate to all the other stuff, separate to what has gone on, as someone who was the victim, as someone who simply trusted in those you believed should have known better, should have done better and was merely dragged along for the ride. But the thing is that this black and white thinking of us and them is hardly ever 100% true. I think it's one of the reasons why history has a nasty habit of repeating itself. Either we fail to see our hand in it or we don't like looking at our hand in it. And I know it might hurt. In fact, it does hurt. The ego wants to protect us from any negative feelings or thoughts towards ourselves. And so it makes sense and feels so much more easy to look outside of us, to point the finger, to allocate blame and responsibility. But as I said, when we don't see where we have contributed to the status quo, to the system, we can continue to live out those same patterns over and over and over. When does it stop? When does it change? Because it's systemic. The system is the sum of its parts. It's not separate to its parts. In essence, we are the system. It creates us and we also create it. For the system to change, we must change first. I've been in so many spaces and, you know, I've tried to speak into some of the problems that I see in society. For example, as a teacher, when I was working, supporting teachers and 
what I heard back was, it's the system. The system is a problem. We need to change the system. And it's about people at the top that need to change and all of this stuff. And it's like, no, no. If you continue to wait for the system, this entity called the system to change and people at the top who you think are controlling and managing the system to change or to wake up, it's never going to happen. It has to be grassroots. It has to be from the bottom up. It has to be we, the people that create the change. So I've just got to a place where it just where it just doesn't make sense for me to blame religion or to blame Christianity. That's like blaming art or science or maths. If we really think about it, religion and Christianity isn't the problem per se. We are, people are. We could have chosen to read the Bible and kept it as an interesting book you know there are people out there so many people who do who see it as a literary or anthropological um, book of value and worth they don't adopt the same toxic beliefs and behaviors that have caused so many of the issues that we see in the world and for me I have to ask myself why and the same goes for any religious text What is it that makes some people look at it in one way and some others really just jump on the bandwagon and follow it for all it's worth and believe every single aspect of it as if, you know, do or die? What is it? I fundamentally believe, let's take the focus back to Christianity for a moment, that people are attracted to it for various reasons. And a big part of that is to belong and to be accepted. If you take a moment and think about why you became a Christian, it probably goes back to something along those lines. Maybe you were a child and there was just an expectation that you did from your family or wider community. Or maybe you had a yearning for something more and desired, wanted to know God more intimately. Or maybe you wanted to belong or be part of a community or family unit and you thought church might be the answer. There is always a why. And in this way, understanding why we chose to become Christian is important to understanding so much of what has come next, so much of what kept us in Christianity and what made it hard for us to go. I'm currently doing lots of research into attachment and childhood trauma. And it explains so much of why I developed a yearning for something more from such a young age. I felt alone, unloved, small, and there was something inside of me that wanted to be special, that wanted someone to love me, and that wanted to believe that I had another parent somewhere else out there watching over me, and that loved me. I wanted something that made the universe less scary and gave me a sense of control and safety. For me, the seed to become a Christian was planted from that young age, especially because the only allowed and acceptable way for me to express a desire for connection with any potential God was through this avenue. So it explains 
so much of my desire to find connection, solace and community within Christianity and also why it was such a struggle for me to finally shake it off and leave. In that time, I endured many things, including toxic beliefs and expectations placed upon myself as a woman, a partner, and I've already shared much of this in relation to my health struggles, but even though I could feel somewhere deep inside when I was willing enough to look deeply and be honest with myself that something wasn't right, every time I chose and continued to choose to stay, to remain. And I think it's important that I acknowledge this and that we acknowledge this, that there's often something below the surface that kept us and keeps us in situations, no matter how toxic, and that on some level there is an awareness of this, yet we are still choosing and still chose to stay. Because nobody held a gun to my head and said stay. And if you um, are aware of my story that I shared in a previous episode in, in relation to teaching and how I stayed, even though it was destroying my health. Again, nobody held a gun to my head and said, stay. I chose. And there was a war being fought inside of me. And of course, eventually over time, I finally chose to go. And in this situation, I finally chose to exit Christianity as as I knew it, as it had been handed down to me. But until that time, I kept on choosing to stay. It's this that interests me. It's the why. Because this is where the power is. This is where the stickiness is. Understanding that is understanding the key to everything, to so much in your life, in life. What is it that causes people to stay? And if we take it outside of the context of religion, I've just used the example of my job or, you know, my profession as a teacher, even though it was making me sick. Why do we choose to stay in less than optimal situations that are toxic and harmful to us? And I know some people might say it's fear, it's fear, fear keeps us stuck. Yeah, Fear causes us to stay, but actually I don't think maybe in this context of deconstruction and Christianity, I don't think it is merely fear or not just fear, but I also think there's a deeper desire, a deeper hope and an an answer, something else that we're looking for, a yearning that our soul, our soul is looking for that it it wants answered and it believes, we believe, a part of us believes that that answer can be found in Christianity. And I think people are broken and hurting and Christianity, religion on some level, provided provides a means of hope, a means of easing the hurt and healing the wound And that is why we stayed. And that is why so many people continue to stay. 
because we can sometimes well I say we I, I don't personally do it but I know that in the deconstruction space there is this kind of us and them us is the enlightened people that have exited and them is the you know blind sheep that still remain in um, toxic religion but there is a deep psychology behind it a soul a soul I don't even know what to call it and we can say yeah that people in those in Christian leadership positions have taken advantage of this vulnerability of this hurting that you know so many people who are wounded and searching are attracted to Christianity and yes on one level we'd be absolutely right to say so but there is also another truth that often goes unsaid and unspoken that those people are also hurting and broken too I know if I think of the often men and some women I have personally known in Christian leadership I can see their brokenness from a mile off. Not one of them was without some kind of soul ache or pain. So I think one of the things this realisation has done for me is to quell much of the residual anger I have felt. Not so much towards Christianity, but towards some of the behaviours that have come out of it towards people like me, black and female and some other stuff that I can't think of right now. I can't and I don't want to waste my time being angry at Christianity or religion. And actually, neither do I want to be angry at other broken human beings. I actually feel a lot more pity and compassion towards them now. And that's not to say that I don't feel angry and I don't get angry, but I'm not choosing to remain in anger and live in anger because actually it doesn't help. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help them. It doesn't help anything about the situation. Instead of looking outside of myself to assign fault or blame or responsibility, what I'm choosing to do instead is to look inwards, not to blame or reprimand myself, but to better understand how I got to where I am today. You may have heard of the saying, you can't control what happens outside of you. The only thing you can control is you or something along those lines. Whilst we are busy looking outside of us, the real healing work goes undone. I recognise now that something in me chose Christianity and something inside of me needed to stay inside the container of Christianity until I felt ready and strong enough to come out. And I don't even know what I am now. If you read my posts on, on Substack, my newsletter unfolding, you will see that I talk about all kinds of things and I quote scripture verses and I'm happy with that. It's eclectic. I like it. It's me. It's for me to understand what 
that was, what that thing was that made me choose Christianity and made me continue to stay. Because that is the wounding, that is the chink that can potentially be manipulated and controlled. And not just that, that is the chink that has been directing, moulding, shaping my life that I have been fundamentally a slave to, not just with respect to religion, but the paths I have taken on my life journey. And if it's really a time for emancipation and liberation, and you know, I've spoken about my theme for this year is living from soul, and if I'm truly going to do that, and just a side note now, because actually I, I saw a post on Instagram the other day um, that said we're like we're in the Aquarian new moon, and that is the season of liberation and freedom. And I'm like, whoo, actually, it makes so much sense now why I've been feeling and going through what I have been you know, through the end of 2022 and the first few weeks of this year. Because if I'm going to live from my soul, then I need to know what has been directing my path, what has been moulding me, what has been shaping me, what I have been a slave to. And I need to do the work in this direction and stop looking outside of me because that is not going to help me live from my soul and return back to my truest, true self. And I don't think that this work is just for me. I believe that this is for all of us and for anybody who feels ready right now at this time to start reclaiming their truth, to start walking in the truth of who they are and living from their soul. Because no no one, not one of us, gets through life unscathed. And if our wounds direct which paths we choose and how long we remain on those paths, then this work is fundamental to gaining back our sovereignty and standing in the truth of who we are, to returning back to our truest selves and living from soul. And here's what I've discovered in this womb-like state that I've said that I've been in my latest Substack post, and I've mentioned it a few times. And if you haven't haven't listened to it, haven't read it, I do recommend that you go and read it. And if you're not subscribed, then I do recommend that you go and subscribe because I do <laughs> share a lot of my journey on the newsletter. So here's where I'm at right now. I believe that attachments hold our most fundamental wounds. And when I say attachments, I mean our early attachment experiences. They hold our most fundamental wounds. Attachments mould our nervous system. Attachments shape how we relate to the world, how we relate to ourselves, how we relate to each other. And I came across a funny bit of research actually saying that 
children and adults with secure attachments that's kind of like the optimal attachment style if you are very very new to attachment theory are most likely to see God as loving and kind as a loving and kind parent and that makes absolute sense if your model for attachment and relationships has been optimal healthy secure then it makes sense that obviously your idea of God is loving and kind and that's going to be the relationship that you have with him and I asked myself did I ever view God in this way and I can say that I wanted to I really did and there was that desire and that hope and that is part of what kept me within the Christian framework and structure for so long but actually if I'm really being honest with myself that wasn't the way for me I mean how could he be my attachment type with my own parents wasn't secure I had no other template or blueprint to create an image of that kind of loving and kind parent figure at least not until I matured as an adult and started to do the inner healing work on myself so it was inevitable that the same relationship patterns and dynamics I had with my real parents was extrapolated to my image and relationship of God. It was the same relationship that I extrapolated to my choice of partner and because he had his own woundings, his own attachment woundings and brokenness, it only fed the fear in our relationship dynamic and that's what I see happening with Christianity a lot if if it's like all this gathering of like wounded broken people and we're just feeding each other in our woundedness and brokenness where's the template where's the healing my relationship with God was one of fear because I honestly believe that I would be punished if I didn't remain a faithful and active Christian. How many people have a relationship of fear with God because of fear of punishment, yet at the same time still hold the desire and hope that God is loving and kind and that for me, he really did love me and I really was special and he really wanted the best for my life and that's where we get all this contradiction from. So I have come to strongly believe that attachment patterns in early childhood experiences hold the key to why so many of us human beings, if not all of us, are messed up and make messed up choices for so long. And then also why it's crucial to do the work to begin to break those patterns. Like, I thought about the people who gravitate towards me and choose to work with me and what it is that I offer them and why it is that our work is so transformational and I actually believe that it's because in the words of attachment theories in the words of attachment theory I offer I offer a secure base a secure base for exploring the world in a way that feels healthy and non-threatening that feels empowering and safe basically one of the things about having a secure attachment with our primary caregivers is that it does give us that secure base for us to explore the world 
to create and play in the world. Their presence helps to regulate our nervous system. It gives us a sense of security, confidence, value and control in an unknown and often chaotic world. When we don't grow up with that, a lot of things happen in us and to us that shape our path. In the main, my clients don't have a history of secure attachments with their primary caregivers. Their life path has often been a result of living out attachment patterns and relationships until something inside of them says, nope, no more, enough is enough. And I think that what they see in me is hope. They see an alternative way of being in the world, an alternative view of the world that is liberating, empowering, that feels less threatening, that feels safe, that feels good, in the body good. Because that's what attachments give us, that's what safe, secure attachments give us. an in the body, a visceral, hold it in our cells and nervous system kind of feeling of safety that allows us to be who we are, to stand with confidence in our truth in the world. And if we don't have that, we can fall victim, fall prey, stay in situations that are less than optimal for us. And this is what a good therapist, a really good coach offers, because you know this is rare in the coaching world, that they are a safe and secure base for healing to happen. Secure relationships heal, unhealthy relationships wound. And I actually can see it so clearly now that the human species is just going through attachment crisis, crises or attachment crises. In fact, I just read recently that It's only about one in two adults that have secure attachments as an adult. Imagine that. Most of our problems can be linked back to our early childhood wounds and traumas and the impact that they have on on us. And not just our own, but generational, generational and ancestral trauma that we inherit from stuff that our parents and grandparents and the people before have experienced not just childhood wounds and trauma but you know adult ones that we we just carry in inside of our body and there's research that shows that we carry this inside of our body inside of our cells and dna maybe i didn't realize it at the time when i first started out um coaching and working with clients But I think that the work that I've been doing on myself and the work that I do with my clients is is healing some of this trauma and attachment wounding. It's why I was able to bring healing to my physical body 
in such a powerful way, even though I know that there are people who are suffering with the same autoimmune condition that I was diagnosed with. It's why I've worked with clients who have tried everything else and they work with me and there's like transformation in their in their lives. It's why for me, I can't simply focus on deconstruction and why I can't go down the road of making people in the church, Christianity or even God bad or wrong so that I can feel good or right and be like, yeah, I'm okay. And as I said before, it's not to say that I can't feel all the feelings and get angry, but I don't want to live there because that makes everything and everyone else the problem when I know full well that that isn't really the case. That is not what's really going on. Nope, no. It's through our own healing that we can collectively heal and bring change into the world, that we can break the cycles and evolve into something better, into something more. So this is the what that I'm going to be talking a lot more, along with the deeper philosophical and existential questions I mentioned at the beginning. But before I head out, I'd like to check in. I'd like you to check in with yourself about what I've spoken about today. Does it feel or ring true to you? Because it starts with you. We can each be the change that brings the change. So here are some journal questions from this episode that I'd like you to reflect upon if you're open and game. Number one. Why did you choose Christianity and what made you stay? Number two, how have your early attachments shaped your choices, both in terms of religion and outside of religion, especially relationships with yourselves, with yourself, sorry, others, and the idea of a God? Thank you for listening to Becoming You Beyond Deconstruction. I really hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. You can connect with me on my Substack newsletter unfolding to follow my journey and to find out if you're interested how we can work together. Go to my website, becomingbeyondeconstruction.com and if you're interested in supporting the work, then please feel free to buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash living from soul. My name is Florence Okusogu and I'll see you on the next episode of Becoming You Beyond Deconstruction.
Thank you.